Not every journey through the NFL is the same for every player. Today, we bring on Chris Gronkowski to the show. He's going to be sharing his journey. First, starting off with what it was like to grow up in the Gronkowski family with all of the brothers, and they're all athletes as well. We'll hear his journey that got him to the NFL, what it was like having to prepare for his rookie season to try to make a roster, what it was like playing for separate organizations, the differences between each one of them, what the transition was like from college to the NFL, what the play calling was like, the speed of the game, and what were some of his favorite players that he was with, who were some of his favorite coaches, what were some of his favorite memories, and uh, you'll hear some fun stories. We also get to hear about his business ventures that you do not want to miss. This is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's going on, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Excited to be here for yet another interview, another episode, bringing you guys the content you want to see as we deliver a panoramic view on sports. We are four years in the running right now. Hit 88 different countries, over 61,000 downloads as of right now. We are excited about the growth of the show. And uh, today we're bringing on another amazing guest. His name is Chris Gronkowski. Yeah, um, it's going to be an exciting one. Chris, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Hey, what's up, man? And uh, man, four years. Congrats. It's big time. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's been a grind. It's all about consistency and trying to, you know, continue to build the brand. It's been a fun. It's been a fun ride. Um, being able to speak to people like yourself, even it's it's just amazing. Just to getting to to build relationships throughout the journey. Now, Chris, uh, the cool thing about getting to talk to you right here is just kind of hearing the story. One of the things I want to know is the background first before we get to anything about what you've done now, or even in the NFL career. And obviously, the Gronkowski name is pretty big. You've got a lot of brothers. Uh, you guys have a lot of uh, experience in the sports realm. But let's go back in time when you were like a child. Let's talk about your childhood and sports back then. Were you a multi-sport athlete? Were you always into sports because of the the brothers that you had and the family that you were raised in? Or how did your childhood look? Yeah, man, for sure. Let me know if my connection is all right because it's cutting out a little bit. But um, I could I could plug in if, it, if it's a little shaky. To me, it sounds just fine on, right. on my end. Awesome. Yeah, man. Growing up, uh, man, we were we weren't a football family, so we grew up playing hockey. We're from Buffalo, New York, and um, hockey and baseball. That that was it, man. And uh, I think hockey taught us how to hit. Uh, we liked to hit, and that kind of was what led into uh, into football. But uh, we were playing every sport, everything we could possibly think of. We competed in from backyard baseball to uh, you know like mini sticks in the basement, and uh, we we do like sumo wrestling in the family room. I mean anything went and when there's five brothers and um you know, you're kind of that household where everyone comes over to it's just all out battles every day i love that you said five brothers a lot of people are like whoa dude the parents holy cow you had to deal with five men like young men like that and you guys don't range that far in age what's the age gap from the oldest to the youngest out of the five of you guys yeah so it was uh 10 years so we we're all about two years apart Good grief, man. That's so cool. As I've as I've read up on your guys, is like, you know, you had the Gronk Nation. There's some articles there and, and stuff. I'm just looking at it, I'm like, that must have been so much fun. But uh was it always fun? Or were you did you guys ever like have to throw blows or anything of that nature? Or did you guys stay pretty tight knit with each other? 
<laughs> man, growing up, it was every day was a fight, man. Uh, my my dad is still shocked that we're all so close now because, you know, we 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 were all out, man, all out battles every day growing up. So um, yeah, it was it was real. I think once we uh, got a little bit older and started playing to get together on the same teams, you know, we started to come together as a as a family and our our you know energy went to um, you know becoming the best players we could instead of trying to beat each other and everything. So. I kind of switched over once we got to that age. Oh, I dig that, man. I dig it a lot. It's awesome. So uh, for those who don't know, obviously the brothers, the Gronkowski brothers, every one of you are athletes. Four of you played in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. And then you also had another one who played in the MLB, if that's correct. Can you correct me if I'm wrong there? Yeah, so four went on. Um, you know, my oldest brother never played football, so he never had that opportunity. Uh, but he got drafted in the minor leagues for baseball, played um for a while in the angels organization, but, uh, ended up getting hurt, had him in a back injury and, um, I wasn't able to, to go to the next level, but yeah, four, four brothers ended up playing in at least one game in the NFL. That is so cool to, to get to the next level. And that's kind of where I want to transition into to get to the next level, the highest level in any sport for that matter. And even your brother who was playing in the professional baseball realm. I mean, that's a, to get to that level is extremely difficult. It takes a lot of, uh, a lot of hard work. Talk to me about that, Chris, and your journey specifically now as we're getting to know you um, going from high school to college and then having a chance at the NFL at any capacity, playing at that next level is is super difficult to get to. So let's talk about that. Uh, did you always, from the time that you were playing high school football going into to college football, did you have that, like, did you know that you're like, hey, I'm good enough to get to the next level? Because that that's a very difficult, very small percentage of athletes that get there. Did you have that mentality like, hey, I can get there. And if you did, when did that happen? When did it click for you that you could actually play at the next level? Man. So um, I didn't even think I was going to be able to play in the college level, <laughs> at least at division one, I was going to Ivy league and um, got really lucky. I came across a situation where university of Maryland was losing a couple of players to academics. And um, you know, they gave me this last minute offer. So I took it, um, was able to go there and, I uh, didn't really play much and was told I wasn't going to play much when my brother came to visit uh, as one of the best recruits in the nation. And the coach pretty much told him I wasn't um, a good fit for them. So I ended up transferring and uh, had my first opportunity to start my junior year. So didn't even start um, until junior year. I was, a again, a two-star coming out or not even a, a star rating coming out of high school. So I didn't think it was in it for me for the next level. I went to college thinking that, hey, this is a huge opportunity for me to get a free education, uh, get a degree, not come out of, of school with, you know, debt and um, get the best degree I could. So I went in and just said, hey, I'm going to get an accounting degree. I was one of two football players in the the business school. And I just said, I'm going to get the best degree I can because I know this isn't going to last that long. So um, with that came an opportunity, you know, junior year I started and scouts started to come in and, and look and, you know, they're watching my brother a lot, but they also noticed me. And that was kind of the first time I even thought it was a possibility. And I thought, I still thought they were crazy even looking at my game film. So um, even at that point, I didn't think I had a chance, uh, but just kept working hard, man. Just kept working hard. And at the end of the day, um, knew I probably wouldn't get drafted, but but had a chance and knew I was going to kind of be one of those guys that was going to have a, a one shot, one opportunity. And, um, and that's what ended up happening. Went undrafted and, and signed about three minutes after the draft ended with the Cowboys as an undrafted free agent. And that's what I actually really respect about your journey is because that's like, 
you see in the public eye, Chris, we get to see like the, the top tier athletes that are five-star recruits and some of the golden, like the diamonds that are coming out of there, I should say, out of college that, you know, they're getting drafted. They're the big names and whatnot. And they end up, you know, making it to their second contract in the NFL, and whatever it may be. But there are so many athletes like yourself that are good enough to play there, but it's a journey. Uh, it's and, and it's a grind. And so that's where I want to kind of go into. I'm a Cowboys fan. So that's it's interesting to hear from you as well. I want to kind of get into that. You get undrafted. You're going into the to the camps, and you have one shot to kind of get your contract and get you know make the roster. What was the preparation like going into your first camp as a rookie in the NFL? You're like, okay, well now, I mean, just a couple of years ago as a junior, it was my first time starting. Um, now I'm actually having the opportunity to play with these guys in the NFL. What was the preparation like? Were you nervous? What were what were your feelings going into camp? Uh, a couple of weeks leading up into camp, what, what were you feeling going into there, not knowing what your future held in the NFL? Man, so you, you do get brought in early. So you have off-season training and, um, you know, you come in months before with the draft picks as well. And everyone's there for months training. So uh took that opportunity to get into the best shape that I possibly can, um, you know, learn the playbook as much as possible. So I felt pretty comfortable going into camp. Um, you know, for me, it was kind of, um, you know, didn't know what was going to happen. I, I thought I would just try to make the best impression that I could and then, you know, make a practice squad. It was kind of what the goal was. Um, I didn't even think it was a possibility really to to make the team from day one. So uh, that was kind of the goal. And, and I didn't know if it would be in Dallas or if it would be somewhere else because, man, you're, you're really – doesn't matter what camp you're in. You're, you're really trying out for the entire league at the same time. You know, everyone's scouting departments looking at you. Uh, you know, if you get released, you can easily get picked up by another team if they think you're the best player out there. So I was just trying to put the best game film that I possibly could – uh, get together so that, you know, scouts would see me and notice me and I'd have something on film. So that was the goal going into there. Um, it, it, you know, I just was going to go all out, do everything I possibly could. And, um, you know, it ended up turning out really well for me and had some really good preseason games and ended up making the team. That's so awesome, man. It, tell me about this going into the NFL. I had a friend of mine who uh, went to school here with me, high school in Idaho. Then he ended up playing for Idaho state, smaller school here in, in our state. And then he, he had a chance to go to a, a rookie mini camp or whatever over in San Diego. And I remember watching, I watched a, an Instagram video of yours the other day. It was a reel about one of the like the biggest transitions into the NFL game. It reminded me of what my friend said, cause we were like, Hey, he played safety and we're like, Hey, what was it like going over there? You know, he didn't get a He didn't get a shot in the NFL. That was his one chance, but he's like, dude, we had 350 pounds, six foot eight linemen coming around on pulling, pulling tackles coming around way too big to be running that fast. And so like it reminded me of that the other day when you posted that. Can you talk a little bit about the speed of the game getting into the NFL and kind of the transition? What was like some of the biggest things that were a transition piece for you that you were like, whoa, we're in the big leagues now? Yeah, man. So yeah, the three day so those guys will get um like a three day pretty much rookie mini camp tryout. So uh when I went undrafted as undrafted free agent, you know, I was kind of like a preferred pick. So I went in early, whereas um, you know, he probably got an opportunity to come into uh, an off-season camp for for really a three-day tryout is what it ends up being, and it's very very difficult to to make a team on that. So uh, you see a lot; they bring in a ton of guys, and they're kind of trying to just um, you'll find a diamond in the rough with those. So, uh, man, the biggest transition I would say is just watching that first practice with all the starters. I was sitting there like, man, this is this is so fast how how they move, you know, in and out of the huddle and, and the play calls and you know, everything's so smooth and everyone's running full speed no matter what. Um, you know, in college, if you're on the backside, man, blocking, 
you're probably not really blocking anyone or you're really not trying or same with like the backside route. Um, you know, you're a backside receiver and it's a run player, whatever it is, you know, you, you see guys uh, just take one step and stop where once you get to the NFL, it's a job, man. And you can't do that anymore. And if you do, you're cut. So uh, there's no more taking plays off. Everyone's going all out every single play. It's their livelihood. They're making money. So uh, it becomes a job, man. It's not a game anymore. It's an all out job and you got to treat it like any other job. And, and put your best foot forward. So uh, just the speed of everything changes, man. Every play is all out. Everyone's battling. Everyone's you know super scrappy. And everyone's the best player in the entire nation, man. And I don't think people realize that. And I'd have people tell me like, oh, I had an opportunity to, to try out for the Lions when they were 0-16, but I told them no because they're garbage. I'm like, they're, they're not garbage, man. Every one of those players is one of the best players that played at his high school who then was the best player in, in college. And then is now one of the best players in the world, man. They just haven't figured out how to put it together yet. So uh, there's no bad team. There's no bad players. These are still the, the best players in the world. So there's no there's no off games anymore, man. Like you don't go in, uh, you know, playing against. I think we played against Idaho um, our opening game, and you know that's that was that was fun for us, man, because you know we're just oversized compared to them. We had so much more talent as a D1 school, um, you know, in the Pac-10. So. You know, that's kind of an off game, and that's what those games are used for at the beginning of the year. Whereas in the NFL, there's there's no such thing as an off game, man. You might be playing an 0-16 team, but they're going to be bringing it, and, and those players are going to be really good players still. That's such a good point. I've always wondered that, too, because, like, you know, they're NFL talent, just like you said, and hearing it from somebody who's been there, like, it's NFL talent. That's the top level, the top percentage of you know, athletes of, of football players, especially in the entire world. And it doesn't matter that it's, yeah, you go in there to ask any team this year. Like, I mean, go and play the jets. It doesn't matter. They're going to admit some, some games you might get a, it's a tough matchup. You got good athletes across the board. It's crazy. Um, talk to us about the playbook. I mean, I've heard about, I've, you know, Matt Hasselback, I believe a long time ago, I was watching it like an E60 something or other from him. And he would read his playbook to his child as a bedtime story, just so he could memorize it. Cause he said it was so hard and in-depth so that's kind of what his bedtime story was to his his children was to read was it the same concept for you was it hard getting used to an nfl playbook because i've heard the plays are a lot longer to like the cadence to get out from the quarterback's mouth than it is in the college game yeah you're gonna see a lot more um that's something that you have to get down right away because man you can't you can't play fast unless you know the plays too so you have to know the play call the second he calls you have to know what you're doing but yeah there's a lot of tags on the end of plays they can have one play and tag it, you know, different receivers with different routes just by calling different things in the huddle. So uh, what gets really crazy is when they go in there and they call two plays at once and then you have to know both. So you're sitting there looking at one responsibility. You're looking at the defense as you're walking up and then you can kind of tell like, hey, man, uh, he's probably going to option it here. Uh, so we got to know what the other play is. And then I got to know who I'm blocking as well uh, if he does option it at the last minute here. So uh, it gets a lot more complicated and then it really gets complicated when um, – you have someone like Peyton Manning who calls every play at the line. So you got to know uh, the entire play call with a word is what it comes down to. And then you have to know all these words, um, you know, that mean all these different plays with just one single word. So uh, it starts to get kind of crazy, especially when, you know, you have a quarterback like that who is just going to walk up the line, scream out one word and snap the ball. Um, so and that, and that usually changes every week as well, especially if you're playing against a team that, you know, had one of your former teammates on it. So uh, everything has to change that week and you're, you're making all new one word calls at the line. So uh, definitely a, a lot, a lot more to know, uh, a lot more intelligence is needed in, in the NFL where in, in college, it was kind of like, Hey, um, 
you know, you just block this first guy that's on the right side of the center. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's great. Uh, as a fullback, just block the first guy, the first linebacker, the right of the center. It, it can't get any easier than that. So uh, you get to that level and you actually have to know what defense they're in, uh, know what fronts you're looking at. And the more you know, the better as well. So you, you can walk up and if you know what you're actually doing, you you know the quarterback's going to audible it before you even walk up to the line. So it, it helps a lot to know everyone's position as well and what they're doing. Man, I'm telling you, if the, those who are listening, and especially the listeners that I have, I know I got listeners out there that they they like to listen to the stories, but they're not necessarily like sports fans. They don't they love the stories. The the guess. Okay, so what Chris is saying right here, this is exactly what I tell everyone, Chris. Athletes are not dumb jocks. They're not dumb. Okay, they can act stupid from time to time, just like anybody can have their moments of just being yeah, okay. And they have the stigma of being dumb jocks. And that's what my whole point of my show is to show people like, no, these stories, listen to this story from Chris, you're getting up there. You have to know everybody's plays. You got to know what's going on. And if you don't, someone could either get hurt. You could get hurt or you mess up the play. You lose the possession. Like you just got to know what's going on. And so it, it actually takes some intelligence to use your words. It's it's, in, it's you're, you can't be stupid and play the game. Uh, some people can get away with it. I'm sure for, you know, if they have the athleticism, but you've got to have some sort of brains to be able to play the game at a high level. Um, obviously is what it sounds like. So, you know, Chris, you're playing in Dallas uh, um, as a Cowboys fan. I'm curious to see kind of like what the behind the scenes was like there. I mean, I've only been to Jerry's world once uh, traveling down there to watch a game um, and I loved it, but I'm curious, like obviously playing under that franchise, uh, your rookie year. I mean, that's a, it's a, it's a huge franchise. I mean, very historic team. Um, there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of greatness that came through that, that organization. I'm curious, what was it like playing for the Cowboys? Um, was it overwhelming at first? And um, what was your overall thoughts of the Cowboys organization? Yeah, man, it was, it was kind of funny because, you know, when I was there, you walk in and, and you think it's going to be like this amazing complex. And uh, I mean, they have all these Super Bowl rings and you go to Valley Ranch. You know, at that time, it was Valley Ranch still. And it was just run down, beat down like the locker room was garbage. And, uh, you know, you go on the field and we had no indoor. The indoor blew down the year before. So, uh it, it was brutal, man. Like the, the state, like the actual facility was 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 rough, man. I mean, I know they have this amazing state of the art stadium now or a practice facility now. But um, you know, back then you walked in and you were like, man, I was expecting a lot more out of this than what I'm seeing. So uh, that was that was definitely a, something I wasn't expecting. But um, you know, then game day is complete opposite, man. Then we go into the stadium. It's two years old. So it's the second year in the new stadium. And it's just like. It's so state-of-the-art. There's so much going on that it's hard to pay attention in the huddle. I had to really lock in because, you know, you walk in the huddle, there's people dancing on the third level. There's this massive big screen in front of your face, and you're just like, man, I need to start focusing a little bit. So uh, it, it was a little difficult at first to really lock in um, in the huddle. I remember they called the first play, and I was like, what, wait, what was it? Because there was just so much going on. Uh, but, yeah, man, definitely I, I would say it was a different feel as well. Um, Jerry's World – it was almost more of like a, a stadium that people went that weren't truly fans. You know, they were going as, you know, they had to go to see it kind of as a, like a vacation thing or like, you know, I got to check out the stadium. It's a bucket list kind of deal. So uh, the games themselves, it, it just didn't seem like the fans were really that into it, at least not at that point. So it was a little bit different from that perspective as well. What's up, guys? I want to take a quick second to give a shout out to the sponsor of today's episode, which is Podcorn. Listen, Podcorn is an amazing marketplace that I've been utilizing for the last month. 
where podcasters from all sizes, it doesn't matter if you're the top tier, middle tier, or just a startup, can find different brands who are looking for sponsorship opportunities. They wanna get their brand names out there, their businesses, so they're looking for these podcasters to shout their brands out. Well, guess what? I've been going through them, I've been amazed at what I've been able to find, the different brands that are on there, and I want you guys to check it out too. So if you're a podcaster or you're a business, head on over to Podcorn. I'm gonna put the link here in the show notes so that you guys can go sign up and start browsing for sponsorship opportunities. It's awesome, it's an all-around win-win for businesses, podcasters alike, it doesn't matter. Go check it out in the show notes. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn's here to support you at every step and ensure that you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. It is phenomenal. Check it out. Show notes below. Interesting you say that because he, you know, as a, I'm a diehard Cowboys fan, so born and raised, and, and my uncle and I are really, really like every week. That's our thing, you know. And um, we've talked about that. It seems like it's weird that the Cowboys never seem to have a home field advantage, and I think that kind of goes into what you're saying right there. The the fan base is a different type of fan base when you have a stadium attraction such as that. Um, I don't think it's any different in 2020 than it, or 2021 as it was in 2010. Like. It's it still seems to be that way. Every once in a while, you're like, "Why are we just don't have that home field event?" There's no edge there. It seems like, but it is still a really cool facility. Um, who was your favorite player? Or I guess I mean, you don't necessarily have to say like they were your favorite person, but like, was there somebody that you looked up to the most when you first got into the league with the Cowboys? I mean, there, that was during some. I mean, you had some good players on mm-hmm. those rosters. Like, who would you say was the most influential for you on that Cowboys roster in your first season in the NFL? Yeah, man, we had a we had a really cool running back room at that time. Uh, I had Felix Jones in there. It's our choice, Marion Barber. So, uh, yeah, I walked in with, with a fullback that was there for three years as well. And, um, you know, ended up taking his job, but at the same time, you boys, man. So you help each other out. You're, you're, you're both fullbacks, man. You're just battling. So, uh, you had that brotherhood there for sure. Um, went in with a, a teammate of mine from college as well, Phil Costa. And, uh, roommates in college I was roommates with his brother and you know we kind of all were in the same place so to have someone there that I knew as an undrafted free agent as well was was huge man uh it was an absolute grind and to battle with someone else that was in the same position as you and and also make the team was man it, it was massive so we we roomed together all of um you know, all of camp we roomed together all of off season and we kind of set a goal that we were both going to make the team so we pushed each other extra hard and um man one of the guys that i, I liked a lot was the marcus Ware. Uh, right. he came in and he just he, he was the best in the league at that time and i thought i was going to go in he kind of just you know most guys that are at that level at least just don't even pay attention to you he actually would invite me to off-season workouts and stuff like that as well and uh was just just a great guy to have in the locker room that's really cool man i missed you where that's that's cool that's cool to hear about that too and costa that's that's awesome man you know chris you had a a cool experience. You got to play for some awesome organizations. So let's talk about that. You know, when, when you left the Cowboys organization, talk about the transition to the next team and what that's like having to move as an athlete. Like some guys are like, Oh, like, you know, they get a house in their location. You hear about them, you know, getting their house, they're locked in, or some people are staying in a hotel or an apartment because they never know what their future is going to be like. What was it like for you going to that from the first transition from the Cowboys to the next organization? Um, what was that like getting used to the new team? And then Let's talk about uh, what that was all like playing for them. Yeah, for sure, man. So, uh, man, so I, I got released and I got picked up on waivers. So by multiple teams and, and then how it works is you get rewarded to the team who had the least amount of wins. Uh, so I think it was between Philly and, um, and Indy and they both had like 12 or 13 wins the year before. So uh, both playoff teams and uh, 
I heard Indy. It was the first thing that came through on Twitter, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to Indy. They haven't had a fullback like in the whole entire Peyton era ever. Uh, so I didn't even think it was a possibility. So uh, <laughs> lo and behold, I get a phone call from Indy, and they're like, hey, uh, you're coming to Indy. So um, you know, I found out once I got there that you know they were looking to lean on the running game a lot more because they weren't sure Peyton was going to play that year. He obviously ended up not playing, and um, you know they, they used me a little bit more. But it was a little bit different because they had no system built out for a fullback. So it, it was like going into a blank system, and they were just trying to add it in. So the first couple of games uh, didn't play a ton. And then finally, uh, week seven, I played like crazy. And in that game, I, I tackled Darren Sproles. It's actually in this photo right here. Uh, I tear my pack. So did that in the second quarter, ended up finishing the game and uh, on the airplane on the way home. And I'm like, there's no way this feels right. Uh, I thought he just put his helmet into my shoulder or like kind of like my armpit area. And I thought I just had a big bruise. But uh, next day I went in, they just asked me to lean forward. And you could see my entire pack was just hanging. Uh, so I was done for the year. So uh, but getting there was um, it was a cool team, man. It was just a different feel there because it was kind of leaving this kind of like celebrity superstar world of, of the Dallas Cowboys and walking into like. Uh, this team where every guy was undersized and like super blue collar and everyone drove a pickup truck. And you're like, man, this is a completely different feel here than it was in Dallas where everyone was driving hundred thousand dollar cars and had multiple hundred thousand dollar cars uh, that they would roll up in every week. So completely different feel uh, for me being an undrafted, uh, you know, player, it felt like a better fit for me. So I liked it. I thought I'd be there for a while. And then um, you know, a guy named Bruce Arians came in the next year and, uh, was noted for saying he'd never use a fullback in his system. So uh, I came back from that injury. I thought I'd, I thought I'd be there and end up getting a tap on the shoulder about two weeks into Bruce Arians getting there. And um, I got sent to Denver, man. I got traded to Denver that day. Man, uh, okay. All First off, Sproles, let's go back for a second. Tackling yep. the guy can't be easy. The dude's shifty. <laughs> he's small. Um, what's that like playing against the, the – do you find it more difficult to try to make a tackle on a, a small shifty guy or someone bigger like your brother Rob, like somebody in that stature? Like, what's what's the harder one to tackle? So the 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 small short guy, they're they're insane to tackle. So you just have to take a shot at them, and that's really all you can do if you're the first one down. So um, I got lucky. I mean, I came off a lead a lead blocker, and they kind of had a play set up. So I, I kind of just clotheslined them. Um, on the 15 yard line, but in open space, there's no chance. I mean, I wouldn't be able to tackle him. It, it's pretty much impossible. Golly, dude. I always watch those guys. I'm like, yeah, they're just so low to the ground. I mean, that's, it's a difficult ask. Yeah, uh, thick too. Like it's, it's actually you know, that you think he's small, but he's, he's really not that small. I mean, in height he is, but I mean, those guys are thick, man. And for him to play that long, it's because, you know, he was just a first off great athlete, but he was built, man. He, he was definitely a short and stocky. <laughs> he took care of himself. He did the squats that he needed to do. That's funny, man. Oh man. Uh, and I, I mean, obviously it's funny that you have a picture of it, but like it tore your pec. Was that your first major injury? So I was going to ask, was that your first major injury in the football game or had you like in the football realm or had you had injuries prior to that? Uh, man, I think everyone has injuries uh, that you play through and had a bad, bad hammy um, pull my senior year in college and just rode with me my entire senior year. So finally came off that, um, Missed a, missed a game in uh, Dallas for um, – I tore, like, my ab, and it just it just burned, man. I couldn't even do anything. I couldn't run. I couldn't do anything. So I missed one game for that. And then um, just stingers, man. Stingers were bad my, really throughout my whole career. But 
it was something where you take the hit and my entire arm and back would go numb, but I'd be you know able to play five minutes later. So it would just be a couple plays off, and then I was right back in there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, anyone who's playing, you're, you're playing through a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, most of the time they don't take you out of the game; you just play through them. Goodness gracious, man. Yeah. I mean, when I spoke with David Irving, former Dallas Cowboy as well. He played on the defensive front, the defensive line. And he was talking about how he still got broken bones in his hands, his feet, his ankles, like that never healed up properly, but he played through it. His fingers are all jacked up. Like he's like, I mean, they, you break them, you tape them and you go, sometimes they heal incorrectly and you just, you just play. That just sounds brutal, man. So you go over to Denver and, and I, I really appreciated how you shared the difference in, in the organizations because people might think, like, from the outside looking in, you're looking at the NFL, each organization, obviously you have your own dynamics, but it's just the lifestyle of certain players and stuff, like for Dallas going over to Indy, completely different. Then you go over to, to, to Denver. Talk to us about that. Was that – were you – when you get traded – is it, do you have a, like, does it feel like a punch to the gut or do you feel like motivated to go like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Cause I've always wondered that. Does it feel like, man, I don't want to be here cause they just traded me. That sucks. Or were you more like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere where they can use me. Yeah, man. It's definitely, I think both you feel like, like man, I guess, uh, I guess it wasn't good enough to be here. But then at the same time, you're like, man, well, someone wants me, you know, bad enough to, to bring me in as their starter over here. So uh, for me, I, I kind of, I kind of saw it coming the second I knew, saw that Bruce Arians was coming in and uh, you know, I looked into his offense and saw that he's never used a fullback and it has been quoted that he will never use a fullback. Uh, it's kind of one of those things like, hey, what am I doing here? Uh, I actually at first thought, man, I could go back and kind of like play this H-back look, which I was pumped about because I get some passes and uh, that's what I did in college. So I was pretty excited about that and then realized pretty quickly that um, – you know, they, they brought in a lot of tight ends and they drafted two of them. And I was like, yeah, it's it's not happening for me here. So um, it, it was probably a better you know, situation for me to get traded. And um, so I was, I was pretty excited about it. It was cool because uh, I was the only fullback for Peyton in the whole entire Peyton era. So uh, he saw me play in Indy. He must have liked what he saw, uh, even though it was only seven games. But uh, I still remember him coming into one of the, the rooms. I think we were playing the Browns and um, – I just lit up this linebacker and he's like, now that's how you play football. And I'm like, all right, man, that was the only meeting he was in too. So uh, he came in, saw that play and, and said that. And then the next thing I know, I was getting traded to um, to Denver to be his fullback. So um, I was pretty excited about it. I didn't realize that you know I was going to get there and they're pretty much going to continue to run Peyton's offense. And yeah, I, was, I pretty much just played special teams because there was there's no fit for a fullback in that offense. So I uh, went there. I, I didn't play a ton on offense and um he went right back to you know the, the Peyton style, call it at the line, uh, and just spread out five receivers for the most part. So uh, it was it was cool. It was cool to to feel um, you know wanted and to be the only fullback in the in the Peyton Manning offense. That's for sure. That's that's so cool though. I mean, you got to play with some big names. I mean, obviously you grew up with brothers and you all were competitive and stuff. And you played through the college game and you were in Dallas. Like being along in the same locker room as Peyton Manning to me is just. It's an honor and a blessing. I'm sure there's other players. Obviously, you just mentioned a ton of them in the in the, the running back room with you in uh, in Dallas and, and all these names that you've been with at the professional level. That's super cool. But um, I want to ask a couple of questions about Peyton Manning. Well, just one question about Peyton Manning. What was the the biggest thing you learned from being alongside him for the one season? Man, he was uh, dude. He's just a great leader. Is what it came down to, and he wasn't afraid to call guys out either. But he'd do it in a way that you got his point across, but you know, didn't really def offend anyone that bad. So uh, 
he was funny, man. He was funny. Uh, and he is, he is, his personality is very similar to what it is on TV as well. But, you know, if you were doing the wrong thing, he would almost make a joke of it, but get his point across at the same time that you better figure out what you're doing or you're not going to be playing for me. That's awesome. And I, I love that. I love hearing that. It's the leadership qualities that people have. And you always wonder as a fan of the, of the, of the game, like myself, always wonder if it is kind of like the same personality or if they have a different personality behind the scenes and they do on, on, on camera. So it's kind of cool to hear that. So Chris, your, your NFL career, uh, ended shortly thereafter, right? It, it, look, you got over to the chargers the following season is if that's correct. And then you hurt yourself. Is that correct? You were on injury reserve. I, I can't remember exactly the story. Can you kind of tell us when the, the NFL career decided to come to an end and kind of when you knew that like, okay, I need to start looking to the next steps. Yeah, so after my three-year rookie uh, contract ended, I signed with the Chargers on a, on a one-year deal. Uh, went into camp, thought I had a good chance of making the team. I was, you, you get a good idea because you know you're starting on all the special teams and you're running with the ones. And um, I was in a situation where the fullback they had was he was making like four mil or something like that, and they brought me in. And um, you know I was at rookie min, or I guess not rookie minimum, but league minimum at that time. So significant savings if I was able to beat them out. So it was a good opportunity for me yeah. uh, to come in and, and a good opportunity for them to save some money. And, you know, I, I was versatile. So I was able to play all four special teams, give them a look there as well. And um, thought I had a really good shot. So after the first preseason game, um, Ronnie Brown fell on my ankle in practice. He just, one of our D linemen threw him uh, at the end of one of the plays for no reason. He fell on my ankle and um, had a high ankle sprain. So, uh, at that point, man, you're, you're pretty much damaged goods. They looked at it. They said it would be uh, a month. Um, so what they do is they pay you out. They pay you out an injury settlement um, based on that timeline. And then, you know, they can resign you as well um, after that or other teams could too. So I, I took it because uh, at that time, you know, to get four games or three credited uh, games in, it would give me another credited season and add on to all my benefits uh, from 401k to you know, pension to healthcare, all that. So uh, it was it was it was a good opportunity for me to take it and get that fourth season in. And so I did. And um, what I did realize is this three to four week injury was really like three to four months, and uh, it, it took me a while to come back from it. So they have to pay for the rehab and all that, and I had to rehab for about three months. And after that. Um, I was able to uh, get get a tryout and went to a tryout in Miami and um, three steps into a 40 yard dash. I tore my hammy, uh, just ruptured it. It rolled up and it was um, at that point, it was, you know, let it scar down and live uh, a normal life without football or have surgery. So at that point, I, I chose to to just walk away from the game. Dang, man, there's a lot of things that just happened there. Uh, and at one man that that's pretty tough, but it's kind of interesting to hear your insight too on the, the contract type of situation for pension and 401k, all the benefits. Is there a minimum that you have to play in the NFL to be able to qualify for pension? And, and like, how does that even work? Or, I mean, there's probably details you can't share, but is there any information you can share as far as the minimum that you have to play to be able to qualify? Yeah, for sure. So it's, it's public knowledge. You have to make it, um, you have to be on the, the the roster, so you have to be on the roster for at least three games for at least three years to get um, to get it. So most guys don't make it to that. Uh, that was kind of my goal, a goal that I didn't think I'd ever get to. But um, you know, that was my goal going into the league was if I can get this, this is a huge start for me. Uh, you know, it puts a retirement and, and the four hundred one k, a pension, all of that on the table for me. Um, and that was kind of after my first year. That's what I was going for. Uh, didn't think it would happen, but. 
got to that. But yeah, they, they purposely set it at that because most guys don't make it there. You know, the average is two and a half years. Um, if you're just on practice squad, it doesn't count. So you have to be on the actual roster uh, for three games or getting paid. There is an exception to that rule. It, it, sometimes they will um, keep guys on practice squad and they'll pay them full salary. And they do this so that you don't leave. Uh, so you don't go to another team because any team could pick you up at any time. So my older brother, Dan, did this with the Lions his first year. They they told him, hey, um, you know, we can't use you at this time. They, they picked him in the seventh round. They had a bunch of really good tight ends on the team, uh, but they wanted to keep him. So uh, they put him on practice squad and say, hey, we'll pull you. We'll pay you full salary. But, you know, um, you can't go anywhere else then. And so he agreed to that. And it's not a bad life, man. Uh, you pay full to, to sit on practice squad. But because they paid him, because you're getting paid for a full salary for at least three games, it counts as a credited season um, that way as well. So injuries the same way. Uh, if they have to pay you for three full games, you get that credited season as well. So I was able to get four credited seasons uh, before I got out. So um, huge start for me and took that money and just um, used it to start a business. That is so Awesome, man. This is what I appreciate about you. And if, for those who don't follow Chris, go follow him on his social media platforms because I'll tag him here in the, the descriptions too, because I love that you you shared this information. This is stuff that I like to hear. It's like, okay, that's kind of cool. That's that's that stuff right there. That's cool to know um, as a as a fan. It's just like, okay. And there's a reason, like you said, that they they said it that way because a lot of people don't, so they don't make it that long. And you, you know, it's almost like a strategic business in, in and of itself with you, what you're trying to accomplish. It allows you to put those goals in mind and, and you achieve those. Before we get into your business, because you just said you were able to, you know, go into your business, I have a rapid fire. Best stadium, your favorite stadium that you've ever played in in the NFL? Oh, favorite stadium, man. I'm going to say probably New England just because I was playing against my bro, man. And just the atmosphere there is, man, it's, it's lit for sure. Everyone's, everyone's die hard there and it's a fun place to play. Super dope. Okay. The best competitor you ever played against? Oh, against, man. I, I mean, I opened my first game up um, against Brian Erlacher, man. So that was that was a good start. But I'll tell you what, Lance Briggs, um, you know, a U of A guy, went to Arizona as well. Man, he was just bringing the heat, though, the whole game. So uh, it was a cool game to open with. It, what you don't realize is that the older guys that, that last for so long, man, they're not going to come in there and, and bring the heat 15 years into the game. But um you know, the young guys were the guys you had to look out for. And Lance Briggs, he was, I think he was about eight years in at that time. And usually you don't see him bringing it that hard eight years in, man, just because injuries, everything takes you, it beats you down. And, and he was just bringing it. So, um, yeah, it was a cool game to open with. I'll, I'll go with those two to start my career, man, as uh, two good, good competitors that I went against. I love it, man. What was your favorite game that you took part in in the NFL? Oh, it had to be the New England game when I played my bro. I mean, that's the only time I got to play against him. And uh, every time I ran by that sideline, he just had some kind of comment to say, just screaming out, you know, 44 sucks. And oh, it was it was great, man. But it was just a game where you just take it to another level because all our, our family was there. I think there's over 80, 80 people there uh, from our family and friends. And you're playing against your bro, man. So you got to go all out and um Ended up getting special teams player of the week. I had a play in that game to score a touchdown. Uh, John Fox actually put a play in just for me for that game to uh, you know try to get me a TD so I could you know rub it in my brother's face that I had more TDs for than him in the game. So uh, it didn't end up happening. They ended up covering it, but we did run the play, but they were ready for it. And uh, it was just an exciting game to play in, man. 
That's so cool. And then the last one I have for you, Chris, for the football uh, realm is your favorite coach and, and what they taught you. What was Who was your favorite coach you played under? It doesn't necessarily have to be a head coach, could be, but position coach, whatever. And what was the one thing that they taught you that stuck with you? Man, uh, dude, I, I probably sticks out is, is John Fox was – he was great, man. He really – he was a player's coach for sure. And um, every day was fun, man. Uh, it, like it was a good time. Like everyone enjoyed being there. He let the guys play and, um, you know, really do what you wanted to as long as you were getting your work done. So, uh, man, the one thing I learned from him is just, you know, sometimes you got to let your players take over, man. Like he just – he handed it to Peyton, which was the first time I've ever seen something like that. Like, hey, you know, what what do you think we should do? And that was cool to see. And I, I think that's something that Bruce Arians did this year as well with Brady. And you see the power of it, man. You see a team like the Bucks, who kind of struggled with that offense, an offense that really wasn't built for Brady. Um, and you see a head coach who, you know, has to put his pride aside and kind of just hand over the, the reins to uh, to the quarterback. So it, it was cool to see that. It was cool to see it um, again this year uh, with, with the Bucks too. That's, are you going to be able to attend the Super Bowl? Yeah, so I'll be going down. Uh, I'll be going down this Friday, and I'll be at the game. Super cool, man. That's going to be awesome for you. That's that's you get to be a part of all of this, man. And then your brother happens to be on. That's so cool. So, Chris, as we wrap up the interview, we want to talk about your entrepreneurial spirit. So, like, I, what I always tell people on the show is that football and basketball and baseball and sports in general they teach you a lot of life lessons. Obviously, hearing your story, I can tell. Like, you've had this grind, this mentality of just pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward. You even mentioned like, hey, you're able to leverage some of the the additional revenue that you, you generated into helping you launch a business. Talk to us about your business. Uh, the business is, if you will, because um, I mean, we've all seen, if people are paying attention, we, we've seen Shark Tank. We, we kind of know that side of things, but we want to hear your businesses and why you started them and what you love about them. Yeah, man. So the first one um, is actually something my wife started. And she started it when I was in Denver. It was my third team in three years. Uh, you know, our fourth move from college. And um, she was like, I'm not going to find another job. I'm not taking another interview. Uh, I'm just going to have to do it again in a year, whatever it is. So she wanted to work from home. She started a, a customization company just online using the Etsy platform. And it, it started off as hand painting wine glasses and putting them in the oven. I'd come home and be pissed because I, I wanted to make some food. But, um, you know, it ended up being something really special and a, a great opportunity. And once I left the NFL, I started investing some of the money into commercial grade laser engravers, and we started um, sourcing our own product and really building this brand. So um, went from NFL to that, and I was making more money with her business in the first year than I was playing in the NFL. So it was a really cool opportunity. Most guys struggle for a long time to, to figure out what they're doing next, and uh, you kind of lose that identity as an NFL player. And uh, I, I kind of felt that as well. Um, definitely missed the team feel, but it was good, uh, you know, financially and, and just to keep my mind busy to, to have this business to work on because, man, the more I was working, the more I was making and and I was all for it and, and I love the grind. So did that for um, about five years. My wife still has a business. It's still growing. It's still doing well, uh, but it just wasn't my passion. So uh, five years into it, I, I was going to the gym twice a day. I'm still working out hard and, um, you know, just was at the gym and my bottle was, was warm, it was sweating everywhere. And I just was like, man, there's it's got to be something better out there. It's been the same smelly plastic shaker bottle for 20 years. Like someone has to have made something better at this point. So went home that day, just figured, you know, I'd find a bottle that was insulated or whatever it was and, um, you know, snag it off Amazon. And there was just nothing out there. So 
really what happened was a, I started a journey and I used a lot of the resources that we already had for my wife's business uh, to source the product and, and make it and, uh, you know, build a site and all that. And um, goal was really just make one bottle that I could use all day, every day. Like I was so, such a simple guy. I'm like, I just want one cup. Like I could, I could bring to work, bring to the gym, sit on the couch with, and at the end of the day, I just got to clean one. Like, I don't need like 20 cups in the, in the dishwasher. I just want to use one. So I uh, started on this journey that, you know, sounds really simple. And you're like, man, that's such a simple idea. No one's ever done. But uh, you find out really quickly building anything from the ground up, uh, no matter who you are, or you're following or your family or whatever it is. It's an absolute grind, man. And um, it, it's been fun. It, you know, it's been a challenge. It's challenged me for you know going on five years now. And every day I just try to find ways to get better. So cool, man. And just as a side note, a lot of people here know I, I for my full time job, I work at a company called ClickFunnels and we work okay. with entrepreneurs all day long. So hearing your story on the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial grind is awesome. I got I like I geek out about this kind of stuff, man. I think it's super cool. So where can we find let's see like your your wife's business for those who may be interested or whatever for for that? I'll put that in the description. And then I shaker what where can we find your guys's um, your businesses so we can find more information about them? For sure, man. Yeah, her her site is called Everything Decorated. Uh, if you're on Etsy, she's one of the biggest shops as well. And same name on there. And then um, iShigger.com is where you'll find us. Uh, we're also in all the the Lifetime Fitnesses, all the vitamin shops, GNCs as well. Uh, some grocery stores. We do all kinds of cool collabs with TB12 and uh, brands like Ascent. And um, it's, it's been fun. Um, I think with Rain, Rain uh, full full body fuel as well. But um, yeah, check us out if you if you want customization, we can do that as well. We can put business logos on it, podcast logos, all that that stuff as well. So it's it's really cool, it makes us unique, and um, we turn it quick. So we we like to, and this is something I learned from my wife's business. We like to turn it customization around, and most of the time, one to two days. So it's a cool option, especially when you you have something last minute coming up, and you need it quick. Oh man, for sure. I'm going to be checking it out. I'll put it here in the description as well for, for both businesses. I think that's super cool to see where you're at right now and you continue to grind. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is Chris Gronkowski. I mean, Chris, I can't even thank you enough for joining me, um, uh, for sharing your story with my audience and myself. Um, and I can't wait to, I'm going to buy an ice shaker too here. <laughs> I'm going to probably do a customization one. So that's that logo. Dude, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot it over. I'll get it all done. Cause, uh, that's, that's definitely enticing. So I'll be uh, promoting that out as well. Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you once again, man, for joining the show. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Everybody else, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends and family, and we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.